Joseph Scriven was born in Northern Ireland in the year 1819. He attended Trinity College in Dublin and became engaged to a young woman. Tragically, his fiance perished in an accident the day before their wedding. Scriven was crushed, but through that tragedy, it appears he was converted to faith in Jesus Christ. In his mid-twenties, he moved his life across the Atlantic Ocean, in his mid-twenties, to Canada, and eventually he became a private tutor to the children of a military captain. During this time, he again became engaged to a woman he had fallen in love with, and once again, she died before they were able to marry, succumbing to pneumonia. So understandably, Scriven struggled with severe depression and worsening physical health. He lived until his death in Port Hope, Ontario, and kind of became known in that town as a good Samaritan, as someone who would take the clothes off his back, if you will, and give to those in need in his community. But I'm sure if we would have known Scriven personally, we would have heard of times of great loneliness and heartbreak. So how did Joseph Scriven relate to his Lord in the midst of his sadness? What did Joseph Scriven think about Jesus? What did he think of Jesus after experiencing so much grief? Well, he knew Jesus was his friend someone who would always hear him and never forsake him. We'll come back to Scriven in a bit. But church family, we come this afternoon to the book of Proverbs. This is our 14th study by my count in this book of wisdom. So last fall, we began considering Proverbs by working through the first nine chapters in sequence, one after another, studying these lectures from a father to his son, persuading his son that wisdom is the best best path to take in life, not foolishness. And wisdom, as we've come to understand it, is the right view of God and his world and living life in light of that. And so after those nine chapters, now after Christmas, we've been spending time jumping around in Proverbs to different Proverbs, proverbial sayings, and and noting the themes that come out most of all in the sage, usually Solomon, but other sages as well, wise people who wrote these Proverbs, noticing various themes that come up more than others, various ways wisdom will play itself out in our lives. Wisdom, after all, is not something merely cerebral or intellectual But by its very nature, wisdom needs to be something that works its way out in our everyday lives. I've mentioned it several times. I'll mention it again. I love the quote that Derek Kidner puts uh, uh, on Proverbs as he says, Proverbs puts godliness into work clothes. Wisdom is godliness in work clothes. It's not something where we we just look at Proverbs and we're like, oh, good point. That makes a lot of sense for life but something that must change our lives or else we're not wise. And so we come today to the theme of friendship. What makes a wise friendship? How should we think wisely about this topic? 
Friendship is part of our DNA as humans. So God has designed us as relational creatures, creatures that live in community with each other. And yet, so often, and I've heard this story multiple times, even in this church, over the four and a half years we've been in church together, so often we can feel isolated and lonely and even cut off in a community from relationships we long for, from deep friendships we desire. And so on the outset, I think, friend, it should encourage you to, to find that God has wisdom for you in this area that can be hard. He has designed you for friendship and not left you without wisdom in how to carry out friendships, how to carry out his design for your friend, for friends and your friendship. So let's dig into Proverbs this afternoon and consider two overarching points together. First, the dangers to friendship, and second, the marks of friendship, or godly, true, wise friendship. So dangers and marks, all right? So first, dangers, and they'll kind of be three and three, so we'll have three subpoints under each of these. So dangers to friendship. How does Proverbs warn us regarding potential dangers to meaningful, deep friendship in our lives? Well, first off, Proverbs warns us that those we befriend, that those we fellowship with, could lead us astray. So grab your Bibles, turn to Proverbs 13, Proverbs chapter 13, and verse 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. One person has put it this way, fool he ends, that fool befriends. Right? Say that again. Fool he ends, that fool befriends. It's, it's a witty way to remember that you become like your friends. It's inevitable. Now, I don't know about you, but I've found that my attitudes, my mannerisms, my perspectives are often shaped by those I spend the most time with. And so a very real danger then to being wise in our friendships is to befriend the wrong people, to befriend fools. Now, of course, you can't use that. You can't use that verse as an excuse never to reach out to those who are lost or are foolish or are antagonistic to your faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus, the sinless Savior, as we just sung, was called a friend of sinners. He didn't sin, but he befriended sinners. So instead, perhaps a clarifying way to, to kind of apply this proverb to your life would be to ask yourself this question. From whom am I taking my lead in life? Who are my confidants? Are they wise? Flip over to chapter 22. Proverbs 22, verse 24. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. So this verse may have a broader sense of simply associating with someone, but I think the point about friendship still stands. It can still be made. Be careful not to befriend a person given to anger. 
And again, a caveat. I just feel like I need to put caveats in here. Be careful not to set your, set your friendship bar so high that no one's going to reach it. But Proverbs would say, do exercise some discretion. Are your closest friends leading you towards Jesus or away from Jesus? Do you have friendships with people who are inclined to or even characterized by anger and bitterness? Because friendship is powerful. It has ability to exercise great influence in your life. You need to be wise and, dis- and discerning and careful about your friends. Or else you'll wake up two years from now and realize you've become a completely different person, much by following along with people who don't care about wisdom. So that's one danger. Another danger Proverbs shows us is the danger of the fair-weather friend. The fake friend, who's just your friend because they can use something you offer. So flip over to chapter 14, verse 20. I love hearing pages rustling. Good job. Proverbs 14, 20. I know some of you are clicking and scrolling, so you're doing good too. Proverbs 14, 20. The poor is disliked even by his neighbor, but the rich has many friends. I love how honest Proverbs is, right? Now flip over to 19.4. Same point. Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. The context in both of these verses has to do with wealth and money, but I think it's fair to expand it to really any special status knowing you might bring whether it's your influence or your popularity. Beware the fair-weather friend, the bandwagon friend, who jumps on the friendship wagon with you simply because of what you can offer them. So Christmas was a couple months ago by now, but I don't know about you, but this proverb reminded me of that great Christmas song, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Because remember, Rudolph is made fun of for his bright red nose. I mean, and he did have a really bright schnauzer. But then, after Santa shows up and favors him and puts him in the highest lead position on his, in his, what's he have, sleigh? I was going to say chariot, sleigh. I mean, then we sing, How the Reindeer Loved Him. And they shout it out with glee. So if I was Rudolph, I'd be like, no, I'm done with you guys, right? You're hypocrites. Santa and I are besties now, but that doesn't mean you and I are. It's, it's, it's kind of like the bandwagon sports fan too, right? Somehow, all of a sudden, I'm sure there are now tons of Tampa Bay Buccaneer fans after last Sunday. But those fans are fans who never rooted for them a few years ago when they were, what, 2 and 14 or something like that. And so if you've been a Tampa Bay fan for any number of years, you're going to look at that person and say, great, I'm glad you like my team, but you're not a fan. You're not a true fan. You're a bandwagoner. Proverbs is making the same point of a friend. The same point is true of a friend who simply hangs close because you're rich now, or you're popular now, or you're influential now, or you're cool now. Be careful of those who would seek closeness merely because of what you can give them. Because real friendship is tested not in good times, not in wealthy times, not in prosperous times, but in times when it all goes south. More on that in a bit. 
Third danger to friendship are the gossipers and repeaters. Words. Words can break even the deepest friendship. Many of you have seen that happen. You've seen two people, maybe one of them was you, who were super close. And then all of a sudden, you're not talking. Why? Because words were spoken, rumors were heard, which so damaged their trust in each other that they could not be overcome. So turn with me to chapter 16, verse 28. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. A whisperer in Proverbs, you might remember this from a few weeks back when we thought about words. A whisperer is one who gossips, who speaks delicacies in secret, little delicious nuggets that will cause damage and harm to someone else. We've seen the damage gossip can have already in Proverbs, but we're reminded of it once again, especially when it comes to friendship. So Christian, I, we warned, you know, we took Proverbs to warn us of this a few weeks ago, but take this to heart again. If you know your heart and you know that you are prone to love gossip, you love the power trip it makes you feel, repent because your gossip can wreak havoc with friendships. Words are just that powerful. So use them to bring life, not death. Another place we see this danger is in chapter 17, verse 9. So you might have to just flip one page or maybe no pages. 17, 9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. And so the issue here isn't so much gossip as it is repetition and sort of a rehashing of grievances in a relationship. At some point in a good relationship, bygones just need to be bygones. And forgiveness needs to win the day. And so that means that wise friendship is going to be costly. Why? Because forgiveness is always costly. Proverbs will tell us that wise friendship is based on honesty, not flattery. Trust, not trivial, surfacey relationship. Love and forgiveness not a record of wrongs, 1 Corinthians 13. And so for many of us, the question is, are you willing to count the cost to develop deep friendships? Again, I feel like this is a very appropriate message for our church. Because I know some of you have been hurt so many times, you wonder if it's worth sticking your neck out another time. Perhaps you're so bent on guarding yourself that you just decided it's safer to not let anyone get close anymore. But if that's you, or if that's a place you can see yourself going at some point, consider the alternative. The alternative to that, to that self-protecting inclination, is isolation. It's a bending in on yourself, a malnourished, self-shielding posture that will prove more unhealthy in the long run than risking a friendship that might hurt you. So count the cost. Either way, it's going to cost you, but which way is going to cost you more? Those are three dangers I think we see in Proverbs to meaningful friendship. It's the influence of foolish friends, the phoniness of fair-weather friends, and the threat of damaging words 
to any friendship. So let's move on then and consider the marks of wise, true, meaningful friendship in Proverbs. Because I wonder if in our social media age, we haven't lost a bit of the meaningfulness of true friendship and what it's like and what it's supposed to look like. Because to friend someone has been reduced sometimes to, to merely clicking a button so that they can now see your profile. So social media at its worst, there's lots of good things about social media, but social media at its worst has made us feel like we're still being social when we're becoming more isolated by the moment. It's just that now we can kind of put a face on that isolation. And we can put a face on our lives without venturing into the homes and lives of others. So what does a truly wise friendship look like? Proverbs is going to give us some really good categories. First, first we see in Proverbs that friends are those who persevere with you even in hardship. They're the opposite of fair weather friends. They're bad weather friends, tragedy weather friends, depression weather friends. You know they aren't just there for you when you're jolly, but when you're melancholy as well. So turn with me to chapter 17 and verse 17. 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A good, wise friendship is one that allows for weeping as well as rejoicing. Deep honesty as well as surface jokes. 1824, flip over to 1824, you'll know this verse. The last verse in chapter 18, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs says that by God's good design, there can be friendships that grow so deep, so meaningful, that they're closer than even some family relationships, than even a brother. I wonder, have you ever had a friend like that? A friend who knows you, who you've let in enough to see who you really are and still is there for you? Or have you kind of hidden behind kind of the guy that has a lot of friends, right? The guy who kind of, or the, the gal who kind of hides behind thinner relationships where you're just able to say, oh yeah, they're my friend, they're my friend, they're my friend, and you just kind of skim over the surface of life with them without chipping through the ice. Bruce Waltke is one of the best scholars on Proverbs, at least in the books that I've read, and he, he writes this about this verse. The significance of friends is found in their quality, not their quantity. So even if you're an extrovert and you just love parties, you love shooting the breeze with anybody, you need deep relationships. And those will be maybe two or three or four, not 30 or 40 or 50. Second, another mark, and this is very much in keeping, another mark of meaningful friendship is a friendship rooted in, a friendship that is rooted in God's wisdom is a mark of honesty and vulnerability. So turn with me to 27.5. Proverbs 27, starting in verse 5. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. 
So an expectation in any healthy relationship, any healthy friendship, is that there will be times when a wound may be inflicted out of love for the purpose of restoration. There will be times when you need to warn or rebuke a friend. And in a, in a healthy, wise friendship, the roots of trust and love you've built will be able to withstand the wound. Proverbs tells us these sorts of wounds are more valuable than a thousand kisses of an enemy. The honest words of a trusted friend, even though they might sting, are better and more valuable than a multitude of flattering lies from an enemy. So Christian, have you invested enough into your friendships with others that you can speak into their lives, even in rebuke? On the flip side of that, have you allowed others into your life enough so that necessary trust has been built to withstand wounds from them? Proverbs over and over again, it keeps coming up in, in different sermons with different topics. It just reminds us of the value of listening humbly to rebuke and criticism. This is a mark also of wise friendship. The most famous verse we're going to get to today, I think, is 2717. The most well-known verse. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. This is not just for men, right? We've, you've probably been to a men's retreat or seen flyers of a men's retreat with this as the key verse, and that's great. But this is for women as well. A wise friendship means a give and take that hones and matures, not lies or covers up. And so Proverbs gives us this great illustration. I always love when the Bible comes with an illustration. And it shows us iron, this strong metal, coming into contact with iron, another strong metal, of course. And instead of destroying themselves in their butting up against themselves, what comes about is mutual growth, shared sharpening. They complement each other. Finally, third blessing of a wise friendship is the wise use of words. So remember, words were the, the last danger to friendship we just mentioned, but they're also one of the blessings of friendship as well. Look with me at chapter 27, verse 9. We were just in chapter 27. You, you have it right there. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Wise counsel from a wise friend is a gladsome thing. It's sweet. It's to be welcomed. Because words shared between trusted friends should be building blocks of closeness, not sledgehammers breaking that closeness apart. These are markers of wise friendship, perseverance and hardship, honesty and openness, and life-giving words. But... But at this point, just like weeks past, we bump into a problem. Friendships are often not like this. Remember, Proverbs shows us God's design for how life works. Life usually works this way, but sometimes it just doesn't. Not because God's design has failed, but because we have failed. 
because we have corrupted his good design and distorted it in our rebellion against him. And so while friendships continue to be indeed valuable, indeed necessary in our lives, there will often be times that our friendships disappoint and yes, even destroy us. So what can we do? Again, I know from experience how many people struggle to develop friendships, even within a local church. Even now, some of you here or tuning in online are feeling like you're not fitting in in this church. Like you're not finding the friend your heart desires in this body of believers. Perhaps, like we just alluded to a moment ago, you've been hurt by friendships with other Christians, and so you're hesitant to be real again. For all of us, but particularly for you prone to discouragement in this area, a few words of encouragement, really exhortation, challenge. First, beware the dangers of isolation. You know, we've been in a COVID-era world Lockdowns and quarantines for almost a year now, at least in the U.S. And and some of you, basically all of you, but some of you are becoming so weary of this pandemic that you're about to lose it. But others of you, if you're honest, well, this last year has been hard. There's no doubt about it. But this last year has begun to put into place habits of isolation in your life that you know are going to be really hard to break in the months to come. Because isolation has started to feel really comfortable. Distance from others, not just six feet. I'm talking about relational distance, you know, out of sight, out of mind, has begun to feel safe to you, normal. Now, please hear me. I'm not making comment here on COVID protocols or government guidelines We need to be careful during this season. We need to consider the needs of others. And it's true, some of you who are tuning in right now need to go on keeping your physical distance from us for a little while yet. But for others among you, as your pastor, I just want to say be careful. Be careful of using COVID as an excuse to distance yourself relationally from your church, as an excuse not to get too close to your friends here at Loudoun Valley or elsewhere, as an excuse to kind of sequester away and not be real with how you're really doing. If that's you, friend, isolation may feel safe and comfortable right now, but distancing yourself from others relationally will begin to imperil your soul. Your creator has designed you not as a self-sufficient creature, but one who belongs in relationship with others and in community with good, deep, wise friends. So here, a warning from Proverbs. Another challenge for those of you struggling in the area of friendship, feeling. At one point in his life, Scriven sent a poem he had written to his sick mother over back in Ireland, saying he hoped the words of his poem would remind her of her never-failing friend. Here's part of the poem that he wrote to his mom. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee, 
take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms, he'll take and shield thee. And thou wilt find a solace there. What a friend Joseph Scriven had in Jesus. Dear Christian, in a world of dashed friendships, rest in Jesus. You're never forsaking, never failing friend. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, friend of sinners, we worship you. We proclaim that you are our king, our savior, our friend. We find our refuge in you. And Lord, for those of us in this congregation who are discouraged, whether it's due to COVID or a mix of COVID and other things, and just discouraged about the lack of friendships they have, whether in this church or just in general, Lord, would you help us to support them in prayer, encourage them? We pray that you would ultimately motivate their friendship and their, their, their pursuit of friendships out of your friendship with them. Lord, help us to show your love that we've seen for ourselves to those around us in deep, meaningful friendships. Lord, we pray that even this week, even this month, or perhaps this year, more deep friendships would crop up in Loudoun Valley Baptist Church for your glory and our joy. Amen.